Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. What's going on, Bears fans? As you know, sports betting season is in full force right now, which means you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for nearly three decades, thriving and paying you, the loyal customer. What's great about BetUS is they have loads of bonuses. So join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. BetUS gives you plenty of options in addition to the NFL. You can bet on PGA Golf, UFC matches, the NBA, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You can use the bonus code CHICAGO125, and remember, that bonus code gets you 125% sign-up bonus. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and I'm joined by Santa Claus. Actually, it's Mason West. So, Mason, you're all festive, dressed in the whole Santa getup. How have you been? I've been good. Uh, Basically, uh, I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Every day I had a different outfit. Tuesday was pajama. Wednesday was a weird, uh, ugly Christmas sweater jorts look. That was a good one. 
Um, okay. And then today uh, I dressed as Santa and I uh, played on the golf simulator. So, you know, that's always fun to see that. Looked ridiculous, played terribly, but overall feeling pretty good. That's good. I, you know, festive as, you know, as people who are watching can see, but that's, I, I kind of would like to have seen, um, you know, Santa like on the golf simulator. I think that would have been a, would be a pretty cool and funny uh, little, little video there, but I'm glad that you're having a good time and bringing the holiday spirit. Cause we kind of need it with the bears being at four and 10. And this is our first time talking since they, they lost on the Monday night game. So Mason, before actually we kind of talk about this, Bears Seahawks game. What are just some quick initial thoughts after the Monday night loss to the Vikings? So the thing that stood out the most to me in that game was actually the area of the defense that I thought was just going to get demolished due to injuries and COVID and all that stuff, which is the Bears secondary, actually held its own. And the pass rush showed up again. And the the defense actually wasn't bad. Um, besides, you know, there's that one uh, touchdown to that Dion Bush gave up first touchdown of the game to Justin Jefferson. You know, the, the technique wasn't great on that one. Definitely, you know, just stopped moving his feet, got turned around. Um, was a good route. Wasn't the greatest route in the world. But after that, the defense really solidified a bit, and they gave their team a chance to win, right? I mean, if the offense had done anything, <laughs> they actually could have been in that game. And the question ends up being, well, is it really the Bears that kept them in the game, or is it kind of the Vikings and Kirk Cousins doing what they tend to do in, in Bears Vikings games, which is not play to their best. But, you know, Tom Graham really showed up. I mean, he had a pretty fantastic stat line overall when you really look, especially for a rookie who wasn't apparently, maybe not good enough to see the field, but wasn't, according to the Bears coaches, ready uh, to see the field. You know, he had a 90.7 PFF grade, if whatever that does for you. Three pass breakups of one passing stop and 10 yards allowed, zero first downs. I mean, that's that's a pretty good day for a rookie who's been most of his season on the practice squad. Um, you know, the argument can be made, was was that a bad thing? Or did he actually spend, did get some time developing on the practice squad? You can really go either way. That's up to you as an individual to decide. Um, and then you got to go to the offense, which just looked the same, right? Uh, the moment that I actually, I stopped watching the game because uh, I was like, I need to wake up early. I don't need this anymore in my life was. Uh, the Bears got that block punt. They went four and out, and you know you had Dar uh, you had Darnell Mooney in the backfield. I believe didn't even know where he was supposed to be. Fake handoff that wasn't to anybody. Poor route combinations, poor line play. It was just a bad design play as a whole. And I was like, you know what, we're done. Um, and then of course there's the uh, Tevin Jenkins, right? The standing up for his quarterback incident heard around the world. Jermaine Fetty getting in his face, which I think that's just garbage. Honestly, uh, Jermaine, if Betty, what have you done all year long? I mean, either you weren't playing well or you were hurt. What's who do you have the right to get up in Tevin's face and stand up for Justin, which almost no one's done all year. I mean, how often do we ever really see an offensive lineman run over and help out whether it's their quarterback, whether it's their running back, whether it's receiver, like get up after a play. It just doesn't happen all that often. So it was like overall just a frustrating game um, and just doesn't, give you a lot to analyze or build on because the things that need the most work are the things that didn't really occur. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's a good little wrap up of what this game was. Um, you know, on the play where Jenkins gets a personal foul for, you know, standing up for, for Justin Fields, the biggest problem I had with it is more so not with Jenkins and how he retaliated and standing up for his quarterback, but, I think it's just with Justin Fields and being in that situation in the first place. I think what 
we kind of saw in that game Monday night is that he wants to try to look for look for plays that maybe are not there. And that's because maybe a play design, the situation, the defense, all these different factors. But he just kept getting closer and closer to that sideline. And it's like, what, what are you going to try to realistically do at that point? And then you throw the ball, you know, a little late. And I think the hit technically, technically is in bounds. But, you know, you're putting yourself in a bad situation. So that's, that's where I had my, um, I guess that's where I was most, disappoint not i don't know if disappoint is even the right word but that's where my grief was with the play but hey i liked how tavin jenkins reacted i just think back to week three against cleveland and there's so many still images and plays that you can see hey fields is on the ground lying there and after the lineman let whatever pass rusher miles garrett clowny whoever it was hit him and be on the ground they, they even help him back up so I, I like that, and you really go back and watch Kevin Jenkins throughout the entirety of the game. Outside of those penalties, I mean, I think he he had a really good debut for his first starting you know starting role um, at at that left tackle position. So I liked what I saw from him in terms of strengths, run blocking, pass blocking, and hopefully just builds off of that and just eliminates those penalties. But you know that that game is obviously in the past now. Now the Bears are looking to potentially what get their fifth win of the season against a team that only has five wins in the Seattle Seahawks right now. But before we do that, just a quick um, update on the bears news this week. Uh, not much has happened. I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to keep monitoring throughout the week and for the rest of the season is the COVID, the reserve slash COVID-19 list who's on it and who's off of it. And you know how that kind of goes throughout the week. And today it was announced just a little bit a while ago that, Akeem Hicks, who had just been battling through, you know, lower body injuries, is now on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. And, you know, after the game he had against Minnesota, that's unfortunate to see. Jesper Horstead, who had the one touchdown for the Bears in that game against the Vikings, he's on the COVID-19 reserve list. Robinson is still on it, and so is Jalen Johnson. But the Bears do get Andy Dalton and Mario Edwards back. Chris Tabor is also back at Hallis Hall. And Bill Lazor is also back with them. So it's going to be really, I think, just those COVID-19 uh, lists, uh, just seeing who's on it, who's off. And that's what we'll have to keep monitoring um, here, Mason. Um, when he when he saw that Akeem was on it, what, I mean, what's kind of going through your head? There's two phases that kind of went through my head. Phase number one was just a, a general disappointment because – I mean, he came back and you saw the impact he has. And it reminds you of, you know, the previous years, 2018, 2019. He had two sacks and four quarterback hits in only 53% of the snaps of it, that was played. Like, that's that's pretty fantastic. And you also saw how impactful he was just in that run game. You know, Dalvin Cook definitely didn't have a solid day overall. But most of the longer gains he had occurred when Hicks was on the sideline. And so that was a really good contrast there. And... You know, if I had to bet an amount of money, that would be painful. You know, like something that I really was like, I need to get this answer right. If I, in terms of whether Akeem's going to be back or not next year, I would put it on no. And just because of the contract, because of his age, things like that. And it stinks because now you're just robbing us of the little bit of Akeem next time that we have left. Because, you know, if there's someone that defined being both a Chicago bear and the closest thing you have to a human version of a literal bear, I mean, it's Akeem Hicks, and to miss out on that, it, it's it sucks. It, it just straight up does. You know, I wish, I wish they were able to bring him back. I just don't see it happening. 
No, I definitely don't see it happening either. Just, you know, even in, in last Monday night's loss, just, you know, there were times where he was waving to the fans. I think he, he knows it too. He's had some pretty emotional um, press conferences in the past, what, month or so, kind of recognizing what his situation is, his contract status, and what the overall, what the team kind of thinks of him and value, values him in terms of a player. Obviously, I think, they would like to have him back, but I, I think it's just going to be come down to money and what, you know, ultimately is best for the Bears, how they like to put it right. So, yeah, I think this is definitely his last hoorah. And, you know, to p- potentially rob him of one game because of the COVID is unfortunate. Then you have possibly two games, the Giants and then Minnesota Vikings again for what is realistically, realistically going to be Akeem Hicks's last games in a Bears uniform, which is – uh you know, definitely sad to see for sure. But um, Mason, I think before we kind of get into this Bears-Seahawks discussion, I have to tell you about the Knucklehead podcast. Knucklehead's podcast. It's hosted by former NBA players Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles. The guys bring some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have a completely unguarded conversation about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. The guests for this season include Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and the Chicago Bulls star guard, DeMar DeRozan. Listening to Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles do their thing is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. So make sure to check out the Knuckleheads podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now this is the Chicago Audible podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, joined by Mason West, and we're going to preview this week 16 matchup between the four and 10 Chicago Bears and the five and nine Seattle Seahawks. And Mason, I think if I were to ask you this question, what what's your initial perception of the Seahawks prior to this year? I think it would be a completely different answer than the one you're about to give me now. But when you think of the Seattle Seahawks right now, just what is that that initial perception? Well, it's like we need the the schedule first came out, right? And we saw that this game was on the docket right before they, we officially knew what was happening. I know that we had circled it as a game like, oh, we really have to try to go to this game, do a live podcast, something like that. Because, you know, we were still had some high hopes for the Bears. And then with Seattle, you know, Seattle, they've just perennially been a team that's at least in it, if not a contender. Uh, and they have exciting players, you know. And there was even that, you know, obviously the Russell Wilson saga, you know, where, you know, where he was in theory a bear. It got to the point where it was like, oh man, like this is really happening. And, you know, the rumor is that it got shut down by Pete Carroll. So there's this almost animosity where at least, where I was like, where I thought, hey, you know, let's go out there, beat the Seahawks, show them that like, you know, we don't care about all that. And they have and other exciting players. DK Metcalf is a beast, right? I mean, and Tyler Lockett, really a solid receiver. Um, the defense, while it's not what it was by any stretch of the imagination, Legion of Boom, yeah, the beginning or before the year there was always thinking, okay, it's going to be pretty solid. I mean, we've seen that's not really the case now, and everything's almost falling apart. The seat, the defense isn't what you thought it would be. Russell got hurt in that finger injury, and I kept telling people on Twitter, this is going to be a much bigger deal than people think it's going to be in terms of him zipping the ball. And, oh, no, it's a finger, it's a finger. Like, no, it's an important finger. Um, and even since he's been, been back and starting to maybe get back in the groove of things, you know, DK Metcalf hasn't really – been what you want him to be uh, my fantasy team can tell you that 
It's been Tyler Lockett uh, had COVID last week. They had Chris Carson got hurt. The running game has been super off, which which when we get to talking about their offense a little more specifically, I think that lack of a running game is really hurting Russell Wilson. It's literally a tale of, you know, two different stories in terms of what we thought the Seahawks were going to be and ultimately what they were. That's a great job of kind of wrapping up what this Seattle Seahawks team is. It's not one where you, I mean, this is going to be what Russell Wilson's first losing season with the team. And like, you just don't associate the Seahawks with uh, mediocrity or, or less than that because of their quarterback and because of the culture they've established and how competitive they've been the past, you know, uh, you know, past couple of years. So it is different seeing this team. And I just kind of going into this one, like you Mason, and there may be a chance I might be at this game flying to Seattle. So we'll see what happens, but it's definitely not going to be the game that I was anticipating, you know, going into this season. And this is one that I circled, you know, early on because I knew we all knew that Justin Fields looks up to Russell Wilson. So you're kind of circling that matchup, the quarterback um, matchup, just to see how they would both play at this point. And, you know, it's definitely these two offenses are not where they want to be. That's for sure. So we'll, we'll kind of start off with that and start with our, our discussion with this bears offense. Mason, I think when with three games remaining, right there, obviously there's, I don't know how much can be shown in terms of growth, but, for you, if you had to boil it down to maybe three points on what you would like to see offensively, maybe in this game, but also continuing on, is there anything that kind of stands out? Because I know we we say a lot of these things during this segment of the show. Then when it comes to game time, well, they just it just never ends up happening. But is there anything that kind of stands out right now for you? It's all about the development and usage of the young to middle of the road guys, you know, the ones who are either playing for a contract or are definitely going to be here for a decent amount of time. So I know when we're going to get, get out of Dave Montgomery for the most part, if he's got a good enough blocking and if he's actually used appropriately, what I don't know is can Khalil Harbert and Dave Montgomery coexist, right? Cause it seems like it's one or the other Montgomery got hurt. Herbert came in, he did really, really well. And then when Montgomery came back, Herbert was forgotten which is a shame. I mean, you, he should still, he, he, despite he had zero carries in that last game in the Vikings, even though he was on the field for 17 snaps. And I would expect there to be more receiving options when it comes to, for, for the entire backfield. I mean, Montgomery had five catches, but it was only for 23 yards. So it's like one point, can Herbert and Montgomery operate without having to force the wildcat out there Two, what is, can Darnell Mooney be a, at least a one B if not, or is he truly just a two? Because while uh, there's uh, some stats fooling around out there about how he's, lead, he's one of the top in the league in terms of being able to get open, we, that hasn't shown on the field. You know, there's been a lot of drops. There's been issues where, and this could be on Justin too, he's over been overthrown or that, you know, he hasn't been able to get yards off the catch. So can Mooney be a 7-8 reception guy when they need, when they have to lean on him? And then lastly, who's let's let's say a rob's gone and you're saying montgomery's number one and if we're saying mooney's number two ignoring any other free agents that come in who currently on this team would be that third to go to option and unfortunately like you said i was really prepared to start having the horse at hype conversation in place of will being here but because it he's what had three targets two of which have been touchdowns like what else does he have to do to just get some some run 
Like, cause it's not like you're getting anything out of Jimmy Graham. Cole Komet's been doing okay. And, and that small sidebar on the Cole Komet conversation, if he was on like almost any other team and expectations were a little lower, people would love him. They'd be raving about how, you know, he should get more looks and all this stuff. He's just, because of where he was drafted, because of how much emphasis has been put on the tight end by the city of Chicago and also by Nagy and the Bears, these there's these lofty expectations where people are saying, you know, ceiling of Kelsey, floor of Kyle Rudolph. He's doing okay. Is he what is he what I want him to be? No, but like, let's not go crazy. It's you know, it's not like he's a four year vet and we're ready to give up on him. And we're talking about what is this fifth year option going to look like? Like that's that's a whole thing. So who's like the, the third option right now that you can really go to that you can trust to make you to to get you a play? I like that Mason, and I'm going to actually build off of that with Cole Komet. Because I think for him, that's someone that I definitely want to continue watching. And obviously for those, these last three games, but just to see how the Bears kind of utilize him. I asked him in yesterday's press conference, like he had a nice connection with Justin Fields over the middle of the field. That seam route, nice one. It was the timing was right. Obviously the ball placement was good. And then Komet was able to make the catch. And I asked him if he would like to see more of those types of plays just to, I mean, why not at this point, right? You're not making the playoffs are out of the question. You've been mathematically eliminated. Why not try to use a guy that you know is going to be here for next season? And he kind of said, like, yeah, those opportunities presents itself. He said it was cool that they had connected on that type of play, something that they've been repping all offseason. And he's had other seam routes earlier this season too. But that's definitely a guy I want to see become more utilized in this offense because I don't think – at this point right now, at this juncture, like anybody making a designation on what Cole Komet is or isn't, I don't think that's right. Because one, you look at his rookie season, Mason, this is a guy that came into the rook- the NFL without having a traditional offseason. COVID impacted all of that. Then you come into year two, like everything is screwed up with this offense, right? Like even Allen Robinson, who had been consistent all those years prior with Mitchell Trubisky, with fluctuating quarterbacks with the bear and just in Nagy's offense was doing great things. And you look at this year, he's even off. So I don't think it's even fair, fair to Cole command. And I know like, obviously draft status is going to dictate how people think of what he's doing right now, but let's kind of wait and see with him. Okay. And I get it. You want to see more production. I definitely think he's capable of that. And he does need to make some of those catches in the end. So he's had some opportunities, has to come away with them, but I don't think it's, say or it's fair to make a bold claim right now and mason i don't know if you've been seeing this and sometimes in our chat we get like hey uh justin fields is a bust it's like (laughs) come on man like are you how are you going to make that that claim right here right now in Nagy's offense like you you just can't it's 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 just like i don't know maybe you have a, a agenda that you're trying to you know make happen and put that out into the, into the world. But to me, that's just, that's just crazy talk. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I I've said this, I think I tweeted out even, you know, if you try to use a hammer, like a screwdriver, you're going to say this hammer is absolutely useless. And that's the thing. I mean, he just isn't being used in the proper way by any stretch of the imagination. And even if you compare him to other rookie quarterbacks, like, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, they're not doing very well because their offenses are also broken. The only rookie that's succeeding is Mac Jones. And let's be, I mean, you have Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Josh McDaniels and potential future Bears head coach, who's 
one of the greater, if not greatest, offensive coordinators in a long while leading the charge there. And you literally could see and watch the evolution of their offense as they gave him a little more each time. And go back to training camp, him and Cam Newton were both battling to be number one. It wasn't just handed to Cam and said, uh, you know, Mac just sit on the back, back burner. So he got, it was such a different way that that was brought along. Um, and that isn't to say Justin has stuff to work on, right? The ball security needs to be better. It is, it is bad. Um, sometimes, yes, the defense makes a good play, puts a helmet on the ball and you lose it. But as you said earlier, there are times where he tries to extend the play, get a little too much, you know, get a yard or two extra that he doesn't really need. Like if it's first or second down, you can slide a little easier. It'll quit earlier. You can dip out of bounds a little sooner. But yes, if it's third and one, third and two, and you know, you you lose the ball trying to get that last yard to continue the drive, it's a it just has a different it's different. And uh, you know, the interceptions too, you know, some of them are on him, some are luck based, right? There's we've seen a couple that have popped off some receivers' hands, we've seen and things of that nature. Some have just been good plays by defense. The jump pass, while swaggy, didn't work out. <laughs> that needs to be retired as of right now until he's, he gets a little more uh, experience under his belt. So, as you said, literally not enough data to make a claim. It, it's We live in this instant gratification world. Let's pump the brakes. Let's get him in a real offense with a full offseason as QB1 with a offensive coordinator, with a head coach that don't suck. <laughs> I think yeah that that will be that'll be a start there Mason and you know what they can actually do even at the end of these last three games he talked about what his strengths are one moving outside the pocket and running that high up tempo offense and no you can't do that every single play every single series but you can use it sparingly within the entirety of a game so let's see that happen put him in a space that's comfortable for him to where he knows the offense he said that those the the high tempo offense is good for him because he doesn't have to really think as much. You just go out there and react and play. Let's do that. Let's see the Bears actually put him in those positions and let him make plays out there. And like you said, he needs to take care of the football. But if you put him in those situations where he's comfortable, I think you're going to see more productivity out of this offense and maybe some points in the last three games. Because look, these guys are still competitors, and you know we'll see which ones still have that pride left, knowing that the playoffs are out of the question. But that can be a start, Mason, even if it's not going to amount to, you know, obviously moving on. It's just going to be these last three games. But you can see progress in that area, a small, small increments. And that's what I think you need to kind of do with uh, what is not a wasted season. And it, when you look at it collectively, it kind of you can almost make the claim that that is what it is. But you could still improve in certain areas and it's going to take bit by bit that small progression and put him in the right position could definitely help him do that. One quick thing. Mason, um, with, it just came across yeah. uh, the injury report was released uh, for the Bears today. So since we're talking about Justin, it's probably important to note that he actually did not participate in practice today. Yeah, I saw that today. Um, he was in uh, – He was. I, sh- I don't know why I didn't mention that in the beginning. He was in his hoodie. It was Andy Dalton and Nick Foles taking the practice reps. And just – he was out there, and nobody was in pads, but he was out there in his hoodie kind of just surveying and watching. And, you know – that will also determine if I go to Seattle this weekend. If he is not playing, I will be watching at home just like everybody else because I do not want to. And I, I told you the schedule, Mason, of what I might have to do. I would have to fly to oh, Dallas. Oh, that's crazy. 
sleep in the Dallas airport, then fly out in the morning from Dallas to Seattle, and then you know cover the game, and then basically sleep in the Seattle airport, and then come back home on Monday after the game back in Chicago. I'm not doing that if Justin Fields isn't playing. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that. But uh, is there anybody else on the list, Mace, or anything else uh, worthy to note on um, that injury report? There weren't, like, really any uh, significant updates when it came to it. Um, you still had Jakeem Grant, and you still had uh, – who was that? Uh, David Crawford out with concussions. Jason Peters still also didn't participate. Um, you had Marquise Goodwin go from limited to full today. And then everyone else was full. That was uh, that was full before. So really, just Justin and then uh, Marquis Goodwin were the only shifts. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, and those are those are key ones. Getting another receiver back, but also really it's Justin Fields that we need to to worry about in this one. Mason, with anything else with this Bears offense that you want to talk about, um, whether it is from that Minnesota Vikings game or you know just in general with this Bears offense. So, you know, I, I definitely don't want to be that person who's who's worried about the 52nd and 53rd person on the roster because, you know, most of the time those people, those players don't make significant differences. They're on the practice squad for a reason. They get cut for a reason. But I'm I'm definitely at the point where I'm disappointed that, for example, Daz Newsom, A, wasn't used very much, and B, didn't really seem like during his 48 snaps, even like he really knew where he was supposed to be. And for me, when you add up the breadcrumbs of how often the bears don't, they don't develop <laughs> receivers for sure. Uh, and they don't really develop a lot of positions besides maybe D linemen. And that's, and that's even, that can be argued. So what is, what is Daz Newsom been doing or what have the coach has been doing with Daz Newsom while he's been on the practice squad that when he does get a shot, he looks as, out of sorts as he did that when Rodney, when, when Adams finally gets a chance a couple weeks ago, you know, he got one route, one drop. And then but that's the end of what we heard of him. Again, we, we are in this, this development playing essentially for next year, seeing what you have zone. Those are two examples of individuals that you in theory want to see what we have in this so that we can plan for next year. And it just seems like that the, like the bears just continue to, not know what the heck they're doing that you know that's definitely a part of it and you know i'm so glad that you brought up daz newsome because for the media today there was what three media members including it was myself mark potash from sometimes Dion miller that actually was at prax sound you know i don't blame anybody for not being there we're literally there for 10 total minutes get to record for three of those 10 minutes but what we did kind of show what we saw was like the wide receivers doing warmups and doing just some pass catching drills, some footwork and stuff like that. And they're the closest to the reporters, but you mentioned Daz Newsom not knowing where the heck he needs to be at on the field. He was off sides, right. Of one of the plays that he was in there in the Minnesota Vikings game, but also just doing a routine um, catching drill where you turn around, there's a coach on one side, you catch the ball, throw it back turn around, catch the ball on the other side. There's another coach throwing the ball. Why did Daz Newsome twice mess up that drill on two different reps after seeing Darnell Mooney go first, Demir Bird go second, and then one of the coaches like, Daz, what are you doing? So although, like, you know, coaching can definitely be a part of that, it's like the player themselves 
needs to be accountable for what they're seeing in front of them. And you have two two guys that are repping it in front of you. You need to know when to turn, when to throw the ball back, and just even in a routine drill. But you could see how something from practice and not keying in on what's going on also can translate to game day, right? We saw that. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I heard a wide receiver that lined up offsides. Like it just doesn't happen very often, right? You just look where the ball's at. You signal to the the line coach, and you're usually good. So it was a it was small. It was, I noted it down, and you know I would have just forgotten about it had you not been had you not even mentioned Daz Newsom. But little things. It's the little details, and the Bears, you know, a lot of times don't get the little details right. So maybe um, it starts. It's obviously starts in practice, and you know, can carry over to a game, but. I'm really glad you uh, you mentioned that, Mason. Um, actually, you know, before we kind of end the discussion on the Bears' office, is there anything about the Seahawks' defense that worries you or just something to be cognizant of with this Bears' offense for this um, Sunday matchup? So I said at the beginning, you know, the defense isn't as good as I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, but it's still solid. Like, it ranks number two in opponent points uh, points per play at 0.282, number seventh and third down conversion percentage at 36.81%, which we know the Bears struggle in. So, so that's not exactly a great combination. Um, they're also fifth in opponent red zone scoring percentage in terms of touchdowns at 49.02%. So this isn't going to be a cakewalk. I mean, you look at their record and it's not good, um, but it's more so, and we're going to talk about this when we flip to the other side of the ball. I think it's it's more their offense and lack of production than is their defense. Their defense is good enough to win you games, but they just they they can't score <laughs> right now is uh, how they have it set up. So um, if you're expecting the Bears to go out there and all of a sudden, you know, for Justin to have this, you know, renaissance kind of a game, even like a Steelers-esque game, I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, he's going to have to work for it. It's not just going to be given to him or to or to the Bears offense as a whole. No doubt. And if you don't have a guy like Cooper Cup on your offense, which the Bears do not, then it's going to be a lot more difficult. I actually watched the game for the first time because they didn't televise it over here, the Seahawks-Rams game. So I had to watch it just on Game Pass. And, man, I what I would have done to just draft Cooper Cup on my fantasy team, I would still be in the playoffs. But instead, I had to rely on Odell Beckham. And I saw what he had his one catch in the game. And I was like, that's all I could get. And I was down. I, I was down by ten. I couldn't get that. And my the person I played, a good friend of mine, he had Allen Robinson, who, who was out with COVID, and he also had Adam Thielen, who didn't play in his lineup. And I still freaking I, it drives me nuts. I can't even talk about this anymore um, because <laughs> fantasy, whatever. Uh, oh, wait, how do you do? How are you doing, good base in fantasy? Are are you in all? I know you're in like twelve different leagues, but how how'd you do overall? Are you in playoffs for some of them? How is that going? So. I really try when I draft my leagues to draft a lot of the same players for the most part. So, but there's one in particular, it's a family league that just means a little bit more to me just because we have a trophy. It's a, it's a whole thing. And it's more about bragging rights. My roster included players like Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. And most of those people had awful days. I got crushed. Like, how are you supposed to win when Jamar Chase gets you 0.8 points? When Najee Harris gets you 3.6, it was Oh, I was in that. I had Taysom Hill as my quarterback, just because my quarterbacks have been a mess, and uh, he got me nine, nine whole whopping points. So uh, no, I lost that game. I am out of the playoffs in every one of my leagues now, 
And uh, so I'm just enjoying football for the sake of enjoying football. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I didn't make any of mine, and I had Tom Brady. So that went perfect for Tom Brady and Gronk in mine. So that's how I ended up losing uh, my league. But um, you know, Mason, we're gonna we're gonna go to the defensive portion of this podcast. But before we do, I have to tell you about our partnership with Owen. If you're like Mason and myself, we like to work out and stay active. And after a great workout, it's important to give your body the amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why we drink Owen, which stands for only what you need. All of Owen's products are plant-based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen-friendly. Plus, Owen uses high-quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible. Like their Pro Elite Chocolate High Protein Shake, tastes delicious, and it has 35 grams of protein. And we first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who does follow a plant-based diet. You can get 20% off your first purchase with code TCA20 at liveowen.com. That's O-W-Y-N.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And remember, use that code TCA20. Obviously, Christmas is in a couple days. Could be a great Christmas gift. So check out liveowen.com and use the code TCA20. But join myself, Mason, and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. This is this is the Chicago Audible Podcast. I am Nicholas Moriano and I'm joined alongside by Mason West. Actually, Santa, if you look in the lower third there. And we're talking about this Bears Seahawks matchup. And we're going to talk about the Bears defense. And you actually you know, highlight at the top of the show, Mason, this Bears defense and that secondary last week against Minnesota, you have Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, who was having a pretty good season. You know, Justin Jefferson has a little over 40 yards. Uh, Kirk Cousins held under 90 passing yards without their starting secondary. That's, you know, that's a pretty impressive, you know, mark to set. And you had guys like Thomas Graham Jr. Like you, you talked about earlier, have an absolute career day for first career start, someone who was on the practice squad, like you mentioned, all year gets that first start and makes the most of it. But that was really impressive as I was just watching, you know, from Soldier Field. Like, you know, I'm kind of expecting, and Justin Jefferson was on my fantasy team, just like, you know, yours, Mason. And you're expecting, like, oh, I got this game, what in the bag? And it never ended up happening outside the one touchdown. So um, where I want to take this discussion, Mason, because the Seahawks do – they do have some playmakers at wide receiver. And maybe, I don't know if Tyler Lockett's going to be available. He was on COVID last week. I had to send him in fantasy. Everything comes back. So I need to stop talking about fantasy. Done with it. Um, but they do have DK Metcalf. And you still have Russell Wilson. They're just not having the season that we're used to seeing. Now, if the Bears don't get Jalen Johnson back, if they're still, we have to see what the safety situation is going to look like. How confident are you in this group? maybe replicating what they did last Monday night against the Vikings or how confident are you, are you feeling about this bears defense right now? Man, that's a good question. Um, because like we also said that Seattle Seahawks are just struggling. Um, if you want a look into why uh, Brett Coleman has a very good video out right now, uh, it came out, I think two weeks ago that really discusses what has kind of happened to their offense. And, one of the biggest takeaways I had when I listened to that and when I watched their game against the Rams like you did is th- they need the run game 
to really boost the pass game. And when you lose a back like Chris Carson and you, you know, your backups are Alex Collins, um, Rashad Penny, et cetera, uh, Adrian Peterson on the practice squad, <laughs> things like that. It's, it's hard to get into what they want to do. And it doesn't, I mean, yes, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are extremely talented individuals, right? I mean, DK Metcalf is a physical freak. Tyler Lockett just, he just always seems to get open, but they're the most dangerous on those deep pass plays. You know, it's, it's those long bombs to, to DK and to, to Lockett that really is what opens up and, and creates some of that split the scoring. And they haven't been able to do that because they haven't had that run game. I just talked about. Uh, specifically with DK, if you look at his last four games, six receptions, four receptions, five receptions, one reception. In terms of yards, 52 yards, 43 yards, 60 yards, and 13 yards. There just aren't the long ball. That's not there right now. So if the Bears secondary can do what they did against the Vikings, if the pass rush can be there, you know, let's say you and the, unfortunately you do not have a Keem Hicks, which is big for that. But if Robert Quinn can keep doing what he's doing, and if you don't have two major penalties on Tease Tabor and Deion Bush that are still, I don't understand those still. I mean, we could talk about that for probably an hour. Um, I, you have a really solid chance to actually slow down this Seattle offense, which is sputtering. It definitely is sputtering. And you look at Russell Wilson's stats from last Sunday's game or Tuesday's game. Sorry. It's such a weird, weird day to say that a game was being played on, but 17 of 31, 156 yards and an interception. That was Russell Wilson's stat line, which is crazy. And you know why I think the bears look, I'm not going to say they're going to go out and do a very similar performance that the Rams can do, but they're in a position to be successful because you look at how still the Rams are kind of, they play that too deep safety look. And they like to keep everything in front of them. And, you know, I think Sean Desai, not obviously Brandon Staley's not there, but you've adopted similar strategies, still keeping what the, you know, the Rams do the best. And we saw that when Staley was there. So what I think this Bears defense can do is try to replicate what the Rams are kind of doing in terms of keeping the safeties deep and have this Seattle Seahawks offense that likes to, you know, predicate its offense on these big plays, make them work you know, those short passes, dink and dunk down the field. That's what the Bears are going to want. That's what um, Seattle's not going to want to do. But if you kind of force them, force their hand to do that, and you have to have good coverage. You have to have that pass rush. That's a, a, a how you can replicate success for this defense. And I think the Bears, out, you know, in that Minnesota Vikings game, there weren't explosive plays that they gave up, really. It was maybe the Justin Jefferson play was – one of the deeper passes, the touchdown on the corner route. And there were a couple others, but nothing really alarmingly deep in terms of explosive. But if the Bears can bring that to this game, hey, you put yourself in a shot, right? At least to kind of contain this offense that, like you said, Mason, many times already, it has been struggling. And whether it's Russell Wilson not, you know, there's all the time you see him escape the pocket, turn around and, you know, find a spot to actually throw the ball. You just, we've been so accustomed to seeing those plays completed for big plays down the field. And this year, for whatever reason it is, those are not happening as frequently. And that's why they're not really having that season that, or having it as offensive success that they have in years past. So I think the Bears are capable of doing that, especially if you get a Jalen Johnson back. And yes, you'll be without Akeem Hicks, but you have Robert Quinn, who's 
you know, what, a, a, a sack and a half away from tying Richard, and that sounds like a weird phrase to say, uh, Richard Dent's um, record. And I think he's going to, at this point, three games left. I'm kind of already booking that Robert Quinn's going to break it um, just because of how he's been playing and being very familiar with, you know, playing against a Russell Wilson. I think he kind of, not that he can know his tendencies because it's so sporadic at times when he's back there, but I think Robert Quinn has even a shot to tie it in this game against the Seahawks. So, yeah, I think there there's opportunities for success um, in this game with this Bears defense. Mason, um, anything? What is there anything else about the Seattle Seahawks offense or even the Bears defense in general that you still kind of want to highlight here? It, it's similar to the offense. I mean, it's just that kind of that time of year um, where when you're not in it, you just want to see either something like Robert Quinn get, get break the sack record would be really cool. Um, or you want to see that development. So hopefully Thomas Graham continues to get to play, to be allowed to play. Um, hopefully you can see. And so looking ahead, right. The bears do not have a lot of draft picks and they're going to, whoever is GM uh, is going to have to be smart about spending and free agency. So I say all that because you need people who currently are on the roster or people you can get for an affordable price to plug some of the holes, right? Because it's not a one-year turnaround. So I liked what I saw from Alec Ogletree in this last game. I mean, he definitely hasn't played like almost every snap consistently, but he did on Monday night, and he ended up with eight tackles, one for a loss and a QB hit, and was pretty solid in coverage on one incomplete pass on third down in particular it's nice to see that because you could in theory bring him back to still be one of your inside linebackers and you use a late round pick on linebacker, right? You do like uh, you sign an undrafted free agent and see if you can develop them. You worry about it next year, the year after that, especially with someone that you found, right. That was on the street in training camp. So that's awesome to see. And the good news is I don't think he has played so well that he's going to claim a big payday from either the Bears or another team. So when you see things like that, when you see Dion Bush having a solid game, right, can you have him potentially be the strong – and same exact story, have him be the placeholder strong safety until you do bring someone else in. Maybe you're paying or pairing it with Eddie Jackson. Uh, who knows? That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, just like can some of those guys who are those middle of the road guys who are you know either veterans or be on the verge of becoming more veterany in nature, just show you something to to be back next year or in the or maybe even the year after that. And that yeah, that's what with three games remaining and like I keep saying, playoffs are done with. That's what you kind of want to see. Who's going to stand out and make the most out of these opportunities? These reps that um, are meaningful to a lot of these players that are on the fringe or maybe even management the organization has questions about. But one thing I do want to just mention here, Roquan Smith not being named to the Pro Bowl. I mean, I know it's been a big discussion at like these past couple of days. And um, I, I don't know, like at this point, I really don't even put a lot of weight into it. I know, I think, I know, you know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that Roquan Smith is one of the best players at his position no doubt you can you don't even if you don't watch bears games just look at the stats look at his total tackles look at uh there's a lot of ways that you can tell but he's an impactful player and it's just weird that he just keeps getting i guess disrespected 
right? I know Michael Parsons is like that last guy that kind of took his position, but and not to discredit, you know, Michael Parsons what he's done this season, but I don't know, man. It's just tough to. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just frustrated with it a little bit, but. I know that he is still one of the best at his position. The Bears are very fortunate to have a guy like him. Any thoughts on Roquan Smith not being, uh, I guess, named to the Pro Bowl? It is, it's because you only get so many inside linebackers, right? It's just a position that's not the most glass in the world, so you only have a certain number of them. Um, when it, And then he missed out to Micah Parsons and Bobby Wagner, right? Bobby Wagner is literally the reason – the Seattle Seahawks defense is relevant still, um, but it's also a little bit. It's he's been there. Go back and like Pau Gasol made like one of those last All Star games back a couple of years in the end of his career, and it was like he's getting because he's Pau Gasol, and not really because he he should should be there. So like you can make an argument for that for Bobby Wagner, even though he's still doing very very well. Um, and this I had an argument on Twitter about this with Micah Parsons. My current problem is that so usage. Micah Parsons, especially with the injuries that have happened at Dallas, has almost been used more like an outside linebacker or an edge. And that's one of the reasons that he has 12 sacks on the year compared to Roquan's three. Roquan just doesn't blitz that much. Like, I, th- I believe when I looked at it, Micah blitzes blitz two times more than Roquan Smith did. And when you look at the – but Roquan Smith has more tackles than he does because he's asked to sit back, read on the run, or sit back and meeting coverage. He's not asked to – pursue the the quarterback all that often so some of it's also just how they're used and unfortunately the way Micah Parsons is used just flashes more on a stat sheet plus I mean when you have the star on the side of your head and you're playing with that Prescott and your team is actually relevant all of that factors in and it's it's just yeah he keeps getting hosed um hopefully at some point the Bears will be good enough that he actually gets the recognition he deserves because he is one of, if not the best, in, pure inside linebacker in the game. I, I can't disagree with anything that you said there, Mason. All really good points. And Roquan Smith will get his day. I, I, I'm sure of it. He's he's that good of a player. And he'll continue to be. Even, yeah, he, I'm not too worried. But, Mason, we're going to kind of move on to the next portion of our show here. And we got – and you know what? I, I, I think what we'll do, it's let's do one of them. X factor or backbreaking matchup, Mason? Do you have just anything in your nose where you're like, we need to get, we need to get this across here? Would you rather do X factors or the backbreaking matchup? I I kind of got a I can combo it if that helps you because it's kind of the let's same. Let's do a to combo me. here. Okay, so then let's you start it off and we'll go from there. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is that's my X factor. That's my backbreaking matchup, right? Cause if he, he only, he only had three penalties. They stood out because they were also kind of a little early in the game. Um, but he played really well when you go back and watch the rest of that game. I mean, he, he really mauled some people and you saw some of that nastiness they had in college resurfacing. And literally, I think it was the play after the penalty. Like, he destroyed a person. Mm-hmm. Like, he took their soul away. I can't even remember who that was off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but that's also going to be a back-breaking matchup, whether you talk from the penalty perspective or if it's going to be from his feet and his hands. Because if he does get beat off the edge, now it's not like Seattle has great pass rushers currently with their current setup, but 
that's going to be pretty difficult for Justin, right? Coming off that blind side, we know that Justin's feet right now are a little, little skittish at times, as they should be, because he's been beat up all year. That's just a, a really important spot that needs to be solid this game, not just for today, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the next and so on and so forth. And Kyle Waddle, love it. Yeah, literally, it could be backbreaking <laughs> if, if uh, Tevin Jenkins doesn't do his job. <laughs> that is very true. Hopefully, no no backs break in uh, this game on Sunday against the Seahawks. But yeah, I'll do a combo here: X Factor and backbreaking matchup. But you know, I'll kind of stick to the Seattle defense versus an offensive player. But it's going to be Carlos Dunlap. He was the one guy who did provide some pass rush for the Seattle Seahawks defense, getting three sacks last um, on Tuesday. I'm keep going back to Sunday last Tuesday. Uh, against the Rams, and actually, I'm blanking on the name of the Minnesota Vikings defender. I think it was number 98. I think he had three sacks in the game. It's like you really, I don't know. It's like I think Justin Fields had, like Tevin Jenkins had a play where he shoved 98 off, and just as he shoved him to the left, Fields was kind of turning that way also, and he ends up getting a sack. It's like it really wasn't number 98 doing like all the, the work there. It just was unfortunate, but. You got to watch Carlos Dunlap, and I think what he he might be going against, and I don't think the Bears have even made a decision at with Jermaine Effetti or Larry Borum, who's off the COVID-19 reserve list. What are they going to do there? So he's going to be going up against that right side. That's where he primarily lines up. But you, you'll see him occasionally kind of switch sides a little bit. But that's who I'll be keying in on because I don't think, Mason, this is going to be where you're going to see a bunch of points in this game. It's just not where these two offenses are at and how they've been playing all year. That's not shaping up to be a shootout in Seattle by any means. So definitely watch Carlos Dunlap and, and, and just going up against whoever's playing that right tackle position for the bears this Sunday. And we'll kind of see how the bears can, can handle that. Um, And it's going to, you know, Justin Fields can help with that. If he gets the ball out quick and he's not hanging on looking to make plays when there's nothing there. So definitely keying in on that um, in this game on Sunday. But Mason, um, we have who has the edge, and then we'll get into the final, final portion. So let's kind of get right into it and start with this Bears rushing attack that has been Khalil Herbert-less. I think that's that's right. Um, versus the Seattle Seahawks rushing defense. I'll give it to you. Who do you got there? I'm still going to go with the, the Bears on this. Uh I don't ever want the limiting factor in a choice is will the bears just be rushing game be used. That's, that's annoying to do that. But when, when you look at the CL defense, uh, opponents will run about 30.6 yards per game, your yard, sorry, 30.6 attempts per game, which is pretty high. And then opponents rushing yards per game are, is at 116.5. Again, pretty high. Uh, when you combine that with the fact that the bears overall, still running the ball relatively well, you know, Dave Montgomery definitely, didn't do as great in this most recent game. You can see that in terms of uh, his yards per carry, but um, the flow of the game was also a little funky against the Vikings. I, I he, that that was more of an outlier than what you'll normally see. Um, I could do without the Wildcat. I'm gonna throw that out there again. Stop with the Wildcat. I'm done with it. You literally have a mobile quarterback and have the option to throw with that mobile quarterback. Why give it to Dave Montgomery to make a decision of am I gonna run or am I gonna let someone else run? It's just silly. But anyway, uh, yeah, Bears rushing offense. Okay, so I have the Bears passing attack versus that Seattle Seahawks 
passing defense and man, Mason, I'm kind of torn here. I think that the CL Seahawks defense has there'll be opportunities for the Bears offense to to make some of those plays, but seeing what they weren't able to do last week and then seeing what the Rams did on Tuesday, they have Cooper Cup and he was making one one the, the offensive scheme just works. Like there was one play, Mason, where they had Cooper Cup run a post down the middle of the field and one of the Seahawks linebackers was in coverage there. And it's like mismatch all day. It was a perfect throw, small window, but Stafford makes a throw and Coop, uh, Cooper cup gets into the end zone. It's like, that's, that's what I wish the bears can do. Get those matchups, a, a linebacker and a wide receiver, and then being able to make the throw and execute all, you know, the entire play. We haven't seen that. We just haven't seen that all year. And Matt Nagy was calling the plays last week. I think Bill Lazor will be back for these final three games. Maybe actually that, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but I would assume that would be the case. So I I just don't know um, if this Bears offense is up for it. So I'm going to actually give this to the Seattle Seahawks right here. They're, they're passing defense versus the Bears passing offense. And we also got to factor in fields did not practice today and it's it's Thursday now. We'll see what happens on Friday, but that's typically a walkthrough anyway. So you're not getting a lot of reps within the week, and that never is going to help you when it comes to being on time and in rhythm and doing all that good stuff in, on a game day. So I'll give it to the Seahawks on this one. Um, we have the Bears rushing defense versus the Seattle Seahawks rushing offense. I feel like they're, they have a multitude of running backs, and obviously you know, not having um, – what is it, Collins? He didn't play last week, and you also lose Carson throughout. So they've had so many guys in and out of there. But who do you got there, Mason? Uh, so I'm going to give you in order the leaders and attempts for the Seahawks. With 108, Alex Collins. With 54, Rashad Penny. With 30, oh, here, with 54 is Carson, tied, crazy. With 31, Russell Wilson. <laughs> and then with 14, Travis Homer. Oh, sorry. And I skipped DJ Dallas because he's, he's at 27. Do any of those names, if you remove Chris Carson because he's hurt, really scare you in any way, shape, or form? No. They have no running game, hence why their offense is broken, hence why it, they, they just look like trash. Advantage Bears. <laughs> There we go. You know, DJ uh, Dallas, just watching, he has, he has a few good runs, but I would mostly agree with you, Mason. Like, it's just been so inconsistent, and it, it you can't find that consistency when you have different running backs in all the freaking time, when, when guys are out and injury and stuff. So, again, that's a part of the reason why that offense has not been the same. And now I'll kind of end it here. It's the Bears passing defense versus the Seattle Seahawks passing offense, and – Look, I, I mean, the Bears did a, a really good job against the Minnesota Vikings, and I just don't know – I don't know what's wrong. I mean, there's there's a couple of things that are wrong, obviously, with the Seahawks, but, you know, you just kind of expect Russell Wilson to just make some of those plays when I talked about, like, getting outside the pocket. He just hasn't. So until I see it, I can't give them the edge just because of Russell Wilson. Actually, I could. I, I honestly could. But I won't. I'll give it to the Bears um, passing defense in this one. And – Hopefully Jalen Johnson's able to come back and be a part of that secondary that did a really good job overall against Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and uh, on Monday night. So I will give it to the Bears in this one. So was that a did that go? Let's see, you gave it you went Bears and you went Bear Bears. Bear. 
And then the only one was um, I, I gave it to the Seahawks for one of them. So three to one. See, and that's I think that's fair. And because the Seattle Seahawks are not a good football team, they're they're not. They're five and nine, and the Bears are an even worse football team. So it can go any which way. Um, but Mason, I'm kind of throw it over to you. Do we have your segment? I do. Up? I do. Have a, we have a All couple right. of the uh, segment stuff we can run through here. So uh, this one. Uh, for those who haven't heard it, I change the name every time because there isn't a good one to consistently do. Um, this one is going to be called Baron Down or 12th on the Shelf. Get it? Because they're like the 12th <laughs> man in Seattle, Elf on a Shelf. Yeah, there you go. Um, so <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to do offense and then defense. Uh, we're going. Sometimes I throw some special teams in there, usually in the defensive uh, section. Um, I'm going to give rapid fire a player on the Bears player on the other team in this case the seahawks nick is going to give gut reaction in terms of who we pick uh this time around we're gonna do since both teams are not good um seattle's probably gonna be entering a rebuild uh you know there were the rust trade rumors last offseason and i'm pretty sure they're gonna come up they've already started i don't think he's gonna be on the seahawks next year so both in rebuild though so your choice is to pick the player over the next three years who would you rather have okay. as you're preparing for a rebuild as both teams kind of are going to essentially be in? So offense, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett. Wow. This yeah, this, I, I already know this segment's going to be really tough. Uh, Tyler Lockett has over, he's about the, he's already reached a thousand yard marker. Oh, uh, Allen Robinson's off, but that's not who Allen Robinson is. I'm taking a Rob. For the next three years. Darnell Mooney, DK Metcalf. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, no to DK Metcalf. I don't think this is who he is either. I'll go DK Metcalf. Demir Bird, Dwayne Eskridge. He's he's a rookie this season, right? Dwayne Eskridge, that's a guy Mm -hmm. that you liked a lot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I, I mean, we haven't heard much from him, but I'll take Eskridge. Dave Montgomery, Chris Carson. I'll take David Montgomery. Cole Komet, Gerald Everett. Three years. Three years. Keep in mind, everyone. I, I want to see the in the chat, too, who you guys are taking. I will take Cole Komet. Tevin Jenkins, Dwayne Brown. Man, I liked what I saw from Tevin Jenkins in just one start, man. I'm going Tevin Jenkins for the next three years. James Daniels, Gabe Jackson. Mm, oh, Gabe, where he played? Was it, wasn't you at, was it Wisconsin University? I'm blanking on, I remember watching film on him and I can't remember the school. Uh, give me James Daniels. Justin Fields, Russell Wilson. Next three years. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Mason. This one is uh, next three years. If, if Russell Wilson was on this Bears team this year, what would have happened? Would it, how different would it have been? I don't I don't know. I really don't. Uh I'll go I'll go Justin Fields. And lastly, Ryan Nall versus Adrian Peterson. <laughs> wow. All right. Um I did Adrian Peterson's on. Uh I'll go Ryan Nall. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Peterson's on the practice squad. So I picked two guys that are basically practice squad dudes. Um, yeah, in theory, Ryan Null, probably, <laughs> if he's still here in a year, two, three, he would give you some more, <laughs> I, th- I guess. 
Yeah, <laughs> that was good, man. That was tough. That was so, so tough. And like, I don't know what people think. Like, oh, Homer, you pick Fields over Wilson. I, I get it. I, I can understand that, but I, I don't know. What, what, who would you pick, Mason? I, I would have picked Justin, um, because I, I feel like Russell, he's in a different mode, right? He's in the, and we, we heard this all last off season, the reasons he wanted to move, like he wanted more say in personnel decisions. He wanted to grow his brand a little bit. You hear about maybe even Sierra wanting to be in a bigger city. It seems like he's shifting more to building a resume than it is about pure football. And so in that pure rebuild, and that's the thing too, if you threw Russell Wilson on this Bears team, like you were just talking about, I don't think it would have been that much better. I mean, the separation of the receivers still isn't good. The The play design still isn't good. Like, you know, all these things still aren't good. But but now you're saddled with a large salary, not old, but an older quarterback. Is that really better? And so I think Justin gives you more flexibility with a rookie contract, with the with just the younger body. Yes, it's, you're going to have a lot more up and down and headaches, but it's it's just a different outlook. You can make the case. I think you can make the case for either one. But, yeah, yeah I, I agree a lot with what you just said there. But that was tough, like I said. All right, defensive side of the ball. Oh, and as a reminder, injuries aren't part of this. I should have said that if I did in the beginning. Who cares about that? Again, three years. All right, Khalil Mack, Carlos Dunlap. Khalil Mack. Akeem Hicks, Puna Ford. Man, Puna Ford was showing up on in this game last week. Um, next three years. That Akeem Hicks said he has at least three more years left. I will take whatever that entails in terms of in, like whatever could encompass that three years. I'll take Akeem Hicks. Okay. Jalen Johnson, DJ Reed. I'll take Jalen Johnson. Thomas Graham, Sidney Jones. <laughs> um. You know, that was a really great game by Thomas Graham. I need to see it. <laughs> Maybe next week I could give you a better answer. I'll, I'll go, uh, who is it, Reed? Sidney Jones. Oh, Sidney Jones. Why did I hear Reed? Sidney Jones. I'll go Sidney Jones over Graham right now. Roquan Smith, Bobby Wagner. <laughs> uh, next three years, I'm taking the younger guy in Roquan Smith. Bobby Wagner's great, but I'm taking Roquan. Tashawn Gibson, Jamal Adams. I'll take Jamal Adams. Eddie Jackson, Quandre Diggs. Next three years, three years. I'll take Eddie Jackson. And uh, our little special teams submission, Pat O'Donnell or Michael Dixon? I mean, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know much about Michael Dixon. Um, but He's a really man, good punter, I'm not going to lie. He's, like, really good. Okay, really good. I, Pat O'Donnell had a fantastic punt in the Monday night loss. But... Uh, you know, I will go with Seattle. I'll go, uh, what, what's his name again? Michael Dixon. I'll go Dixon on that one. Then. He's like Australian and like, he does like a different kind of kicking. It's a whole thing. All right. And that All is right. our, whatever I called it. Oh yeah. Bear, bear down or 12th on the shelf. That was really creative. I like the 12th on the shelf. That's, that's, that's good stuff there, Mason. All right. So actually, I do have some over-unders, not a ton, but just enough to, for us to fulfill the quota for today. Okay. <laughs> so over-under, two passing touchdowns for Justin Fields. 
That's, that's so we'll tough. set at one and a half. Um, I'll go under. Um, it's not just. I don't think it's really so much Justin Fields. It's just the offense in general. So I'll go under. Uh, you heard some of the numbers I rolled out earlier for DK Metcalf. They have not been fantastic, but over under sixty receiving yards for DK Metcalf. It's gonna all depend on who's actually playing corner in this game for the Bears, but he just hasn't like you you put out earlier. I'll I'll go over by like five yards on on the sixty, so sixty five yards over. Over under forty rushing yards for Justin Fields. I'll go. What do you have in this game? He had thirty five against the Vikings. I will go. I'll go over, actually. I'll, I'll give him, like, 45. Over, under, 0.5 receptions for Daz Newsom. 0.5. If the man can line up on size, he maybe has a chance there. Um, you know, with, with Goodwin back, I don't know, with Robinson. I'll go over. I think he gets maybe a reception in this game. And lastly, over, under, two and a half sacks for the Seahawks. I'll go over that number. I think uh, there's going to be some opportunities, you know, whether it's because of Justin Fields or just the offensive line in general, there are opportunities. So I'll go over that number. Yeah, the uh, Vikings had three in that last game. And so that's kind of where I pop up with that one. But yeah, that is our over-unders. All right. Thank you so much, Mason, for both of those segments. And now we'll go over to our bold prediction and not so bold prediction. So I'll throw it to you, Mason. What do you got for... For both, bold and not so bold. All right. As always, I have two for each because I have an offense and a defense. So, offense, bold prediction. Justin Fields has a higher pass rating than Russell Wilson. I am recycling this one a little bit. I did a, uh, not even bold, but insane prediction of doing this for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that did not happen, nor will it ever happen, at least in the near future. But I truly think that there's a chance of this one happening. Uh, it just really depends on, the, I think, the turnovers because that's going to really bring down, obviously, Justin's numbers. Uh, defensive bold prediction. Thomas Graham Jr. either gets an interception or is able his play, like a tipped pass, will lead to one. So, like, he doesn't actually have to get one. Uh, I just really liked how he played. I mean, he had three pass breakups, and I think there's, like, I mean, the next leading, the leading person on the Bears is, like, it's not a great number. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's not a good number. Um, not so bold. Cole Komet leads the team in targets. Uh, going to be, I think, a lot, like a lot of short passes and quick outlets getting Cole involved. And then if they can get in the red zone, I would. that's where they would go. And then lastly on defense, Robert Quinn gets one and a half sacks this game. As you actually had mentioned earlier, totally possible. Uh, the offensive line is not great. It's okay, not great. Dwayne Brown is... Uh, old <laughs> getting quite old uh, he you know he's had some veteran off days this week just simply because of uh of that just trying to give him some rest uh quinn can i think take definitely advantage of this seahawks line uh i like that mason and obviously you go above and beyond putting all the um you know bold and not so bold i'll just give you one for each and actually for the bold prediction i had something with thomas graham jr and now i'm debating that well i can change that on the fly right now but i was going to say bold prediction he gets another three pass breakups and i don't even know if he's going to start this game we don't we don't even know how that's going to work with uh everything going on there maybe it's at the nickel 
maybe could be outside corner, but I had bold prediction that he would have another three pass breakups. And man, that would be, that'd be something for someone who's played, who's on the practice squad all year was actually cut and then comes back on. But well, I guess we'll leave it at that. And maybe a bold prediction. We could say, let's see, Russell Wilson. Oh, bold prediction. He didn't have any touchdowns last week. Bold prediction doesn't have any touchdowns this week against the Bears. Bold prediction. We'll see what happens there. And then a not so bold prediction. Roquan Smith is clear as day the best linebacker on the field come Sunday. No questions asked. Right. And obviously Bobby Wagner's on the other side. So Roquan Smith is and shows that he's the best linebacker on the field come Sunday. All right, Mason, we are predicting the most valuable bear on Sunday. Who is that going to be and why? Continuing off my bold prediction, uh, Cole Komet, I I don't know why. uh, Just looking at how some of these linebackers play um, and how they're defending other teams' tight ends, uh, that there's a really good chance that Cole can get some looks. Um, At the end of the day, who... That, that, that's, that's, he has to be that safety valve. Um, you're not seeing a lot of separation from the receivers by any stretch of the imagination. And if he can actually get, and, you know, if I'm going to continue kind of a bold up one off my not so bold, you know, six or seven receptions and a touch, even just a touchdown in the, in the red zone. I mean, that could be the difference in this game. It really could. Like, I think we're predicting a pretty low scoring game this one but i don't want to get too far ahead of myself my mvb is going to be roquan smith and kind of building off of my not so bold prediction i think when you have a quarterback like russell wilson you want to have a good inside linebacker that can contain him inside the pocket maybe they'll send him on some more blitzes in this game be nice to see but i think that's going to be the difference maker someone that could not only cover tight ends in the middle of the field but sideline to sideline can you know, stop whatever horizontal passing game that the Seahawks are going to try to present because I think the Bears are going to take away that deep passing play. And you need a linebacker that can make tackles, and it's exactly what Roquan Smith can do. And now we get to the game pick, Mason, and what everyone's been waiting for. What are you guys thinking also in the chat? Who's winning this game and why? And I'll go first. Even though I said bold prediction that Russell Wilson won't have any touchdowns, I don't really think that's going to happen. That's why it's a bold prediction. So – I have it a low scoring game. Uh 17 14 Seattle Seahawks. They they win. They're at home. And again, I think it's just more so it's it's really this Bears offense not being able to one capitalize, just not showing as much consistency. They they've turned the ball over so much, Mason, in just these what last three weeks. I think it's 10 total turnovers, which is a reason why you can't one sustain drives or put up points. Until the Bears can show otherwise that they can either eliminate or just limit those turnovers, or just they take themselves out of position to win games. But I think it's a, a 17 to 14 game going the Seahawks' way. Mason, who do you got winning? So actually, I'm going to have the Bears winning 17 to 14. Seattle coming off a really, really disappointing loss to the Rams that. I believe right now, after that loss, they're now at like a 1% chance to make the playoffs. I mean, that was the game they had to have. That's a lot of emotion there. Russell seemed like he kind of had a foot out the door at the beginning of the year, and then the, how this year has gone has just really pushed him out that way. 
you know, not a lot for him in particular to play for. I mean, it's Russell Wilson, though. I mean, he if he plays Scrabble, I'm pretty sure he's cutthroat, you know, in anything he does. It doesn't really matter what he's doing. He always <laughs> wants to win. But, I mean, that, there was a lot of emotion left on the field in that Rams game and how that and how that all went down. Um, versus the Bears, I mean, this is just kind of how they've been, right? I mean, for the most part, it's just been this even level of, of ineptitude, which isn't great, but at least it's not, a, you know, this crashing down of ineptitude either. Uh, and so with that, they, it'll be easier for the Bears to peak back up than it is for the Seahawks to come from this crash down and all of a sudden bounce back in, in, in a week like this. So that's why I'm giving it to the Bears. All right. We have same score, different results in terms of who's winning, and we'll see who who uh, actually gets this one right. Uh, confidence meter now, Mason. What do you what What's your confidence in the Bears winning this one or the confidence – that the Seahawks will lose, so ever, whichever way you want to take it. I, I'm right, and this is kind of where I've been <laughs> the last couple of weeks, unfortunately. I'm right at five, uh, right split down the yeah. middle. Because, I mean, just like you said, I mean, we had the same score that could be the difference is a touchdown, right? It's it's the Bears driving and a pick six is thrown versus not um, a field goal game. And that's what this is. It's just two not great teams going head to head. Who, who, what coaching staff is going to put together the game plan to take advantage of the other team's downward trend that's currently going on and what team, and this is a cliche that's thrown around a lot, but it matters. It truly does in locker room, which team is still in it, which team still has the heart who cares, who still wants to play. I think we saw that from the bears defense, like they're still kind of playing for each other and playing to win the game versus on the offense. I don't know that you can really say that, that there's as much of that connectivity there. Um, you can go all the way back to the, Jalen Johnson quote where he said, you know, there's, there's, and I'm paraphrasing here, but there's some people in the locker room that maybe have kind of are done. And then there's other ones that aren't. And so this game is a question mark of, well, whose locker room is not done yet. You know, we will see, I think pretty early on and in this game on Sunday, but I'm at a five as well. I think either team is capable of winning this game or ease as equally losing this game by not capitalizing on any opportunities that are given by both teams. Cause I think they're going to both be there. So yeah, I'm at a five, just like you Mason. And I think that's, you know, a good way to kind of wrap up this pocket We're we're kind of, we're thinking along the same lines and whichever team can limit those mistakes. And the bears had a bunch of them on Monday night. Some, a lot of them self-inflicted a lot where the refs kind of got in the way as well. And they end up losing a very winnable game to the Vikings and, the Seahawks have been in very similar situation this season, having only, what, five wins on the season. So I'll leave it at that, Mason. Any final words to kind of close out this preview podcast? So we, we've left it pretty much all out there. I think it's pretty apparent where this game is headed to in terms of the evenness of it all. Um, more than anything, just it's been a really fun year covering the Bears, even though it's not been a good year covering the Bears, if that makes any sense. So more, if anything, a thank you to to the everyone in the chat, all the listeners who 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 you know always have all that constructive criticism, uh, all everyone who just loves the Bears and loves to hate the Bears at the same time. Big thank you to Will who can't be here just because he's still doing daddy duties. Big thank you to Nick, obviously also for picking up Will Slack in terms of more or less producing the show and doing all that stuff. And it's a, uh, everyone else hopefully has a good holiday. Um, if your holiday has already passed or is coming up, you know, you know, 
props to that. And uh, hopefully everyone just is, enjoys time with friends, family, and stays happy, happy, healthy, and safe. Very well said there, Mason. Yeah, for everyone who celebrates Christmas, hope you have a fantastic holiday. You'll hear from us after the conclusion of Sunday's game between the Bears and Seahawks. But thank you, everybody, who tunes in every week, who downloads the podcast, who, you know, just, again, get, engages in conversations with us on Twitter. We really appreciate all of you, especially – through a season like this. It's it's always nice to have, you know, people like you that support us and have been for for years now. So, thank you so much. Enjoy the holidays, but you'll hear from us after whatever the result is for Sunday's game. But until then, bear down Chicago. Bear down.